superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Go, go, go! This is the Rich Eisen Show. Press did a heat check on Coach Shannon. The Rich Eisen Show. Have we decided on anything, sir? Um, I got a pretty good idea. So let's try one of the quarterbacks. Let's go straight yeah. to Jimmy G. Oh, yeah, I have a pretty good idea. That's your starting quarterback, the San Francisco 49ers, don't I mean, you think? Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Earlier on the show, ESPN college football analyst Ryan Leaf. Still to come. ESPN senior writer Seth Wickersham. Yahoo sports columnist Dan Wetzel. Plus, from Peacock's brother from another, Michael Smith. And now... It's Rich Eisen. All right. Hour number two of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air here on a a Friday before college football season begins. It will be two weeks from today that we will be talking on this program about the results of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers season opening loss to the Cowboys. Uh, that's oh, an interesting oh, way for you to finish oh, oh, the phrase. Oh, I, I, my bad. I oh, mean, I, oh, this oh, wasn't oh. a fill in the blank segment. I'm sorry. Um, I got but, confused. Uh, but that's okay, TJ. Settle down just a little bit. Well, I don't, He'll say it for you, TJ. <laughs> Put, remember, I'm all about positivity and putting positive I, thoughts You are there, doing Rich. just that. <laughs> putting positive Although I, I do there. believe I've got your win-loss predictions for the Dallas Cowboys like that you 16 did. and one or something you know like you went 13 and four I might want to change that I just um, needed to go 11 13 or more. and four did I uh I went 10 and seven. Oh, I've got two of them written down here one of us went 13 and four the other one went 10 and seven I think I, you went 13 and four I don't know if I would have said that yeah no I I definitely didn't have them winning yeah, eight straight no games way. in a row no yeah. After losing the season. Can opener. we revisit that in a few days? Maybe I want to switch a- anytime my Anytime you up. wish. We'll, yeah. we, we offer mulligans all the time. I'm a much better player B on the golf course. Yeah, because I'm thinking now I'm thinking maybe like 14 and three. So you think if they lose to Tampa Bay, <laughs> you think Stephen A goes a little crazy if they lose to Tampa Bay? Two, or is he going to wait? Two uh, weeks from she today. Wait. Two weeks from today, we'll have a result. <laughs> Literally, our Friday show will be nothing about anything else. Nothing. How about that? That's the Stephen A. Smith drop when they don't do very well. So this is what we got going on, man. You love it, though, because a Cowboys not doing well is good for business, I think. Why do you say that? Not necessarily you in general, but people love it when the Cowboys aren't. When the Cowboys don't do well. Yeah, everyone seems to love it. I will. will, uh, I'll I'll be honest since you say something like that. Yeah, let's be honest here, Rich. When the Cowboys do not perform well. It makes NFL game day morning on NFL Network. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, you know, I'd love going to work despite, you know, that ridiculous 
wake up call. When that oh. when that alarm bell goes oh. off for the first couple yeah, of weeks on that, that Sunday, it's kind of yeah. like what, <laughs> you know. And so, um, but I love going to work. Okay, but when the Cowboys don't perform well, <laughs> going to work it's just it's a little bit of a little bit a little bit more pep in my step for all three of us. The three being me, Mariucci, and Kurt Warner. Because eventually, uh-huh. the subject matter of what's wrong with the Cowboys will come up. And the number of times that we've done a segment where that's the topic bar, as we say in the bottom of the screen, every television show is a topic bar now to let everybody know if they're watching with the sound down mm-hmm. what the topic of conversation is, or it's just a visual aid. And I always have fun because, you know, Heaven forbid we stray off a topic bar. If you notice, we don't have topic bars on the Rich Eisen show. There are no topic bars on our program. There will be on occasion when we're talking about like a down of a fourth down or one of our four down segments or our celebrity true or false. We improv a lot. Just asking one question. We do improv a lot. We do that on game day morning as well. But I just know there's going to be a topic bar conversation of what's wrong with the Dallas Cowboys. And my favorite thing is saying that (laughs) to the camera that's floating on all four of us. Uh-huh. But then I turn to my left, and then Mooch turns to his left, and Kurt Warner turns to his left, and all of us just go, Michael Irvin, your thoughts? Oh, boy. That's just what we call a chef's kiss moment in television. I hate it. Getting back to what TJ and said. Um, just before okay, we get sorry. back to what we said, yeah. before before you put your hands on 10 and 2 of the steering wheel of the Rich Eyes Joe, yes. hold on a second. <laughs> gotcha. No problem. We do that, it's been like two, three times a year lately. At least. At least. It's a what's wrong with the Cowboys at the quarter post. It's what's wrong with the Cowboys at right around mid, mid-season. mid And then inevitably, the Sunday after Thanksgiving is just like, what was that? <laughs> just essentially, what was, what was that? Right? Remember the Bills came in? Little spank, oh, yeah. or as, as, as Irv would say, the Spankalanka. Washington football team. That's when Coop. Uh, See, went, you didn't think we'd be talking wolf. about this, huh? Remember, that's when Coop went lone wolf and picked the bear. Coop went Ooh, lone wolf on yeah. a Thanksgiving. I have actually a T-shirt with him going lone wolf on that Thanksgiving show with the the lone wolf hat yeah. on. He did. <laughs> Is that him? That's you. Oh, thank you. I mean, with it. <laughs> All right. That didn't break. But the, the reason why Dallas yes. they get a lot of like what they get is because of the fans. This is me as an outsider. That, this is so stupid. Bring, because No, you bring it, is, it on. It, bring it bring on. It I'm on. sitting here with a smile on my face telling you out of 17 games, we're going to go 14 and three. And I laugh. And yet some jabroni on YouTube is inevitably tonight going to say, oh, why is TJ talking? Any mind, well, TJ. my point being TJ. is he's right. Because people like they get so butthurt about the Cowboys. So basically last year I tried to be cool, right? I tried I know, to be like, no. I, and then. I, I, I took all the cowboy hate and I realized no matter what I said, no matter how cool or real yes. I tried to be, yes. everyone would just be like, oh, Cowboys fans suck. Well, so this year, instead of me trying to play that role, if you uh-oh. think that we stink He's and if you're going to trash us anyway, <laughs> then I'm going to give you a reason to trash me this year. I don't care you're if we go one in 16. Oh. I'm talking that talk. I'm talking trash. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing a Hulk Hogan at Bash at the Beach Hill turn this, this year for be the great. Cowboys. Oh. Let's go. This would be great. I mean, we this have our own great. Irvin. This is kind of great. Like, like on game day morning on Sundays, when what's wrong with the Cowboys, I turn to my left. And on the Rich Eisen show, I turn to my right. <laughs> this is great. Oh, well, we didn't play. This is great. I, I can't wait. I have been wondering why the last couple of years my neck's been hurting on the left <laughs> yeah, side. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. you're only turned to one side. I've been favoring. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, 
You're going to give me balance, TJ. I don't know, maybe. This is like, great. You know, people, like I said, no matter what a Cowboys I, fan says, like people are going to get mad. I feel so. like I'm sitting straighter in my chair. But look, I understand yeah. because as we've pointed out here, Cowboys fans are, get that sort of crap in football in the same way that Yankee fans yeah. get yeah. the same yeah. thing because what yep. have we done? Hold on a minute. When was the last, for instance, when was the last time the Cowboys won 12 in a row? I don't know. When was the last time? Probably when was the last time the Cowboys ripped off 12 in a row? Maybe 92? In a season that nobody saw that one coming. How yeah. about that? Let's yeah. just say with it. I can't say that. that well, no, they feel oh, so wait a minute. Oh, no, I'm being told in my ear where nobody's talking right now, and I'm doing this for effect. <laughs> Yankees have won 12 in a row for the first time since 1961. How about that? 1961. Oh, yeah. You right now talking Yankees completely different than Why? seven no. weeks ago. Because seven weeks ago, you were like, well, let's I had, just. I had every you, reason to say that. You last and Nick Turturro ready to just like oh, set the whole world on fire. Nick Turturro, huh? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it, hey. I but I had every right to doubt the Yankees. They looked terrible. They were one dimensional. They didn't have the pitching. They didn't have anything. They had nothing. But what I said, Aaron time. Judge trying to hit nineteen run home runs every single time at at at, at bat at the plate. But what I said that whole time, Mike, was... The Red Sox won the first seven games against the Yankees this year. It looked yeah. terrible. And the, and the Rays were being the Rays. The Blue Jays were bashing them with everybody's yeah. son. But, you know, I mean, so... True. Everybody said... Yeah, seriously, <laughs> it's true. If a baseball player said, like, I couldn't believe the other day, like, Mike Witt's kid is great in baseball. I'm like, oh, okay, he plays for the Blue Jays, right? Of course he does. No, he plays for the... He's on the, uh, the, in the Royal system. But, uh, I have no idea about that. But th- at that whole point, you guys were going crazy about the Yankees yes. and your record. I'm sitting here like, well, the Mets are in first place. We have one win less than the Yankees. So if you're flipping out, what should I be feeling right now? And now the Mets have essentially ended my baseball season anyway. TJ but. Jefferson, the only Met Cowboy fan that I know. Of. I don't know why I do it sometimes. America and the world. I, I clap. I, I applaud for you. I don't know why. Um, so I, I want to talk about a piece of video. I'd like to talk about a piece of video that I saw last night and uh, said we got to put it on the show. Went viral. And this guy is one of my favorites to have interviewed after an NFL game. One that he has invariably won on a Thursday night that nobody expected him to win. And he just comes out like shot out of a cannon. <laughs> Philip Rivers, shout out of like, I, I remember the Thursday night we were in Denver and this was the year that the Broncos had Peyton Manning and were winning a bunch of games and everybody thought that the Chargers were out of the mix and they come in on a Thursday night and beat the Denver Broncos in a game that we had, we didn't think they had any shot. It was one of those things like we we're, we're, we're in the pregame show trailer and, um, and we're talking about, do you think we can get Peyton Manning on the set afterwards? <laughs> Like, that's the way we were talking about before the game. And sure enough, our post-game show guest was Philip Rivers. Mm-hmm. And he showed up, bolo tie, ostrich boots. Bolo Phil. Just like, like shot out of a cannon. And it went viral because everyone at home felt his energy through the television set. And then it was just great, again, with his ostrich boots. It was terrific because we showed a shot, we showed a shot of the ostrich boots from behind the set looking in at his boots and to his left of his boots, Mariucci's position. Oh, yeah. And Mariucci had the Denver Broncos <laughs> cheerleader calendar that was autographed to him uh-huh. thrown underneath his desk. That's right. And he was busted. <laughs> Phenomenal. Yes, that's right. Phenomenal. Did you point it out? Of course I did. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Of course it did. 
screen. I'm a lead pipe wielding professional, TJ. So be that as it may, uh, Philip Rivers, as we all know, retired from the NFL and went to a job that was waiting for him. I want to get this correct here. Um, the job was waiting for him was high head coach at uh, the St. Michael's Catholic High School football program. And he had his first game as such in Alabama last night, in the state of Alabama. He, he, uh, he led the St. Michael's Catholic Cardinals to a 49 nothing win. Nice. And sure enough, I guess he met locally with the media, and it was as if the guy who showed up after beating Peyton Manning on a Thursday night, he showed up just like that guy. <laughs> Check it out. It was some of the things that you were like, wow, that's normal? Okay. Yeah, no, but it's it's awesome. I tell you what, Thursday and Friday nights, after playing 250-something NFL games and 50-something college games, um, those three years playing at Athens High School, you know, being around it at Decatur High growing up were my favorite, some of my favorite memories. They really are. They're up there in the top ten. I could sit here and think of, of a handful. Uh, it's awesome. And I'm trying to remind these kids of that so they embrace it because most of these kids are going to play – not beyond high school football. we got a handful that'll play at the next level and that want to, and I want them to want to. But I also want them to appreciate experiences like this. Shoot, they're all over there with their families and classmates, and you want a football game. I told them, be excited. Be excited, shoot. And um, so it's, it's, it is. It's awesome. And uh, I'm enjoying the heck out of it. I just love it. Oh, be excited, shoot. That's <laughs> great. Right? I saw that, too, and I thought to my, oh, look at that photograph. I hadn't seen this one. Look at him. Look at Philip Rivers with his – I mean – With a, the – the, the call sheet in his back pocket. Everybody take a knee. Everybody take a knee and listen to a guy with 134 regular Oof. season NFL wins. Does he have a kid on the team? I think he might have eight. <laughs> <laughs> See, I gave you what you were looking for. <laughs> Thank you, Rich. We were waiting for that. <laughs> no, I, th- I thought he wakes, he wakes up in his house and they run 11 on 11. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Is, that, is that more of what you wanted? I wasn't looking for that, but I appreciate you giving it to me. They run 11 <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I saw that and I thought to myself, it's That's a good so thing. Good. It's, if, if he was a plan A, as I called in from Stanford, Connecticut, while I was calling in as a guest of this show, mm-hmm. while doing uh, the so Olympics on Peacock, and I'm like, you know, if I, I think I called in about a half an hour after it was first reported that Wentz had left the practice field with a, yep. a foot injury, and it was super more serious than, 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 than expected. And... um I, th- I said maybe first call that Frank Reich should do would be call Philip Rivers. Makes sense. See if he wants to come and do it. And I saw that video, and I'm like, what a dumb suggestion. Because there's it- no way Philip Rivers would tell those kids we told to take a knee and those kids that were spending the entire pandemic year of 2020 thinking, all right, we're getting Phil- Philip Rivers as our coach next yep. year. There's no way he's telling those kids, I got to go back to the NFL and follow yeah. my dream and wishes. I don't have football out of my playing system yet after I committed to this. I saw that. I'm like, what a dumb suggestion. You would never do that. It and wasn't we, dumb because you hadn't seen that. You didn't realize I should have known so. that. I should have known. I should have So I'm beating myself up. But uh, Sam Farmer of the LA Times, who, who's been to Alabama to report on what Phillip's okay. doing high school-wise, did speak to him and said that's why Phillip said December, January – Season Give me a call, over. right? Well, I just don't know if after a year of hanging in Alabama and coaching that he'd be 
physically ready to perform in a December or January contest of note for the Indianapolis Colts. So, but it's great to see. It's really terrific to see that. And that's just Philip Rivers knows one speed. That's about it. And it's just got to be, it's just got to be so cool for these kids to have this guy. And there's his son, Steven, and his dad, Philip. All right. So the whole family's there. My God. It's like the Waltons playing football in Alabama. That's a good way to put it. He's not, I mean, of course he's, this is what he's doing. It's amazing. It's pretty cool. It's really, it's amazing. It's good to see. I'm sure the kids there um, at St. Michael's Catholic are loving it. I mean, could you imagine? It, you got like a pro quarter. I mean, it's like not Dion and Jackson State. It's like, what, how could you not want to like, like literally annihilate every well, team you play I've been with in Dion? T- I've been coach. in touch with Dion, and hopefully he's going to come on the show in the next Amazing. couple weeks. And then, and then hopefully it'll be a day that you're there. So I could tell Coach Prime that you said uh, he's the Philip Rivers of uh, HBCUs. <laughs> I didn't did I kind of twist that? Yeah, I, I mean, mean maybe a little. Come on, he's like Dion. No, he's just let me write Dion. that one down. Yeah, no, don't, don't forget. I mean, yeah. Don't it's, write it down because Dion loves Del Tufo, so we'll probably hurt him. I know that. Yeah, don't do that. Everybody loves Mike. You know, that's the funny thing, man. Like, I you rip on me for my love of various teams, and I've always I told you, you. I that, like, rip on you. I Florida State. You know, when I first saw Dion Sanders, I was like, oh, I'm I love Florida State yeah. now. So, you know, meeting Dion, I remember once I was in Pittsburgh working at Foot Locker and he played for the Braves and he came in and I was bugging out. But like coming in here and kind of being around Dion when he's on the show and hosting is really dope. And like, it's like Del Tufo is his favorite dude. And it's just like I sit here and go, like, man, that's cool. energy level. I got to call time out here because there's two things and I want to get to Seth Wickersham on time or remotely on time. Two things. One, Dion walked into a Foot Locker once. Yeah, in yeah. Western PA and Pittsburgh. Uh, uh, when Wood, you're working there, so you're you're you're, you're in, in the stripes. Baby. You're in the stripes. I'm you're in the, the stripes. zebra stripes, and in walks Dion. It was a random afternoon, and I was standing by the front door, <laughs> and I looked down the street, and I'm like, "Why does this dude look like Dion Sanders?" And he came closer. I was like, "Oh bleep, it's Dion Sanders!" And he came into the Foot Locker, and you know, back in those days, I've never been really. St- met anyone so you know you're a little bit more like starstruck than Dude, i am i've now. never been i've never met anybody walking through an airport who's made any every single human being more starstruck than Dion. Yeah. Yeah, so we, i totally understand yeah that. we chopped it up for a minute you know and he left and i was bugging i was calling my friends did you tell him when he sat in here that you've met him before yeah, to Foot Locker? i'm pretty sure yeah yeah. What do you mean you're pretty sure you i I'm, would remember talking to somebody well, about I, hey i met you at a Foot Locker look once. rich when Dion comes in i speak you out so many stories and okay, stuff that I forget, but I'm well, fairly that's, certain. That's yeah. number one. And then number two is I don't rip on you for all your teams. I just ask you <laughs> factual questions. Like when was the last time the Cowboys won 12 in a row? When was the last time any NFL team won 12 in a oh, row? We can oh, look that up. I mean, well, I think the New England Patriots, Patriots once did. won 16. Yeah. In, in okay, a well, there's season. one. Just throwing that out. The as pa- a, for instance. The Patriots are an anomaly I mean, at one, this point. I mean, just throwing it out. I'll take a break. <laughs> Seth Workersham of ESPN. Joining us here, senior writer. He spoke to Matthew Stafford. Great stuff. And he's got a great book about Belichick and the Patriots coming out in October. We'll see what we can get out of him before that publishing date in a second. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the -the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. took me when I moved uh, to Los Angeles back in 2003. Uh, it took me a while to realize that whenever I was working indoors, this was at NFL Network, I was working indoors and it took me at least two, three, four weeks to stop lamenting, man, I'm indoors when it's so beautiful outside because it's usually very beautiful outside. Have you gone through that process so far? Matthew well, Stafford. luckily for me, my job is outside. Ah, that's true. Um, so I get, to, uh, I get to yeah. enjoy it, but I am, uh, I am enjoying it for sure. That's, uh, I pinch myself waking up and seeing the sun up every day. And <laughs> about 70, 75 degrees. It's pretty nice. It, it sure is. So, uh, so far, what have, you been, uh, what have you been doing so far to get yourself acclimated football-wise? Walk me through that process for you, Matthew. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, I've just been trying to catch up as much as I can. Um, you know, I'm in a little bit of a unique position in the fact that everybody here has pretty much been running some version of this offense for the last four or five years. So, um, you know, they're definitely ahead of the game when it comes to the middle aspect when, you know, as far as where I'm at. So I'm just trying to catch up, do everything I can there. And then last week we kind of started, uh, doing some on-field stuff um, in a little bit of a limited capacity, but it was good to get out there and meet the guys and kind of start working with them, throwing with them, and, and doing all that kind of stuff. So it's it's picking back up, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a process for me and something that uh, is a big challenge on the mental aspect, but I will, uh, you know, do my part to make sure I'm ready to go. And what about McVeigh? He talks very fast, uh, Matthew. Uh, I, <laughs> he does. He He's talks, a smart guy. He's got a lot to say. I know that. He, um, so he, do you, I guess you have he, to pick uh, up his cadence as well, too. I imagine. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's communication. Um, you know, obviously he's, he's given me the plays through the headset. We're talking constantly out at practice. Um, and you know, and in the meetings and all that kind of stuff, just trying to, uh, you know, get to know each other as best we can. Cause that's a, you know, that's an important relationship for, for not only uh, the offense, but our team. And so how many plays has he given you? Or is he going to give you multiple ones? Is he going to give you one and then it's your job at the line to figure out what, what happens there. I mean, what is the, uh, the protocol that you're expecting? For, oh, for it's, it's a little bit of everything. You know, sometimes we got one, we got two, we got open-ended. Um, you know, just about like everybody else in the NFL, there's a, there's a, a bunch of different options. But, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a complex offense, one that, uh, you know, uh, has been, you know, executing and, and uh, been atop the NFL for a long time around here. So uh, just got a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of work to do to make sure we keep it there and, and get better. How's Matthew Stafford right around Memorial Day on the show this year? Right here on Peacock Sirius XM, Rich Eisen Show, Terrestrial Radio Affiliate. If you miss anything on this program, we've got you covered. YouTube.com slash Rich Eisen Show. Please go ahead and go there and hit us with a follow and be one of the near 289,000 subscribers to our YouTube page. Um, And we are back here on Peacock. We're back here back here on the Rich Eisen Show radio network and affiliates joining us here on the program. Once again, is uh, one of the best uh, writers and interviewers and chroniclers and putting it all on paper in the business. He's got uh, a book coming out in short order in October, I believe. You can pre-order it right now about the New England Patriots. It's better to be feared. The New England Patriots dynasty and the pursuit of greatness. 
But uh, part of the reason why we're having him on is just a terrific interview with Matthew Stafford um, for the ESPN cover story. Seth Wickersham back here on the show. How are you, Seth? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing fine. I, I got to tell you, you had me at hello with this Stafford uh, interview. <laughs> and, and, and the way that you tweeted it out, I mean, this is what def- – look, I, I, I always enjoy your, your, your work, but I definitely clicked – on the the line that you said is what is it like to do something professionally for 12 years but yet not know just how good you're at you are at it i mean that one really hit me does stafford really not know how good he is at football right now seth i i mean i think that he has a lot of confidence but you know he he wanted out of detroit for one reason and that's because you know for 12 years all except for three of those 12 years, he was at home during the playoffs. And football is and always will be a late January and early February game. And for most of, you know, nine out of those 12 years, he watched other quarterbacks, you know, author their legend um, while he was at home. And I asked him at one point, I was like, what do you want out of the rest of your career? And he was, he was at an autograph signing um, and he, he put down the pen and he looked at me and he said, you know, I just want to play in big games. I just want to make big throws against the top competition when everyone is watching rather than just like a one o'clock game, you know, during the regular season. And I find that a really earnest and a really humble desire and answer on his part. And the other part of that is that, you know, he doesn't know how he's going to perform for the entire time he was in Detroit. He was, everything was on his shoulders. And now it's a little bit different. You know, rather than see what his skill set can transcend, he's the missing piece on a team that's expected, at least internally, I mean, it's Super Bowl or nothing for them. And Matthew doesn't know how he's going to perform on that stage, and I think he's really eager, he's desperately eager to see what happens. So what did you glean from him as to why he finally you know, either mustered up the gumption or had enough of what he was dealing with in Detroit to ask for his way out, to finally just flat out go to ownership and say, let's do this. It was really interesting because, you know, a lot of players, a lot of professional athletes, as you know, derive a lot of power and pride from kind of, you know, sticking it to their employer. And with Stafford, it was the complete opposite. He was almost embarrassed about it. He... The regular season ended with a loss to the Vikings. It was another wasted season. He knew that there was going to be another rebuild with a new GM and a new head coach. And, you know, even, Matthew, even though Matthew Stafford was the franchise in Detroit, each time there's a regime change, he has to kind of find his way. You know, what, what's required of him? What kind of leader does he have to be in the building? And I don't think that he felt like he could do it. And so the night after that loss to the Vikings, he told his wife, Kelly, something that they had discussed before the season, and that was asking out. And um, he said, I was going to do it. I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to ask for a trade. And then the next morning, she enters their kitchen, and he's emptying the dishwasher, and he's quiet. And he is carrying on an entire conversation with himself in his own head where he is reconsidering and doubting his decision because in a very real way, mm. he looked at it like a failure if he was going to ask out. You know, he came to Detroit in 2009 when both the Lions were 0-16 and the city were at its lowest, and he wanted to deliver a championship there. And asking out would be kind of an epic concession. But 
you know, by the time he left his house that morning, he, he stopped by and he said to his wife, you know, say a little prayer for me because he decided to go ahead and do it. And he actually cried during that meeting. All right. Tell me more. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> well, I, I think that he, the other thing that was interesting I found about it is that, you know, he wanted it quiet. And he was incredibly nervous. He did not want to play the leak game against the Lions. Like, even though the Lions had been kind of a mess throughout most of his career there, some of his best friends were there. They had paid him a ton of money. The team had helped his wife when she needed that tumor removed from her brain years ago. And, you know, he liked his teammates a lot. And so after he asked for the trade, the team is caught a little off guard by it. But after they hire a head coach and a GM, they decide to proceed with it. And he's nervous. And he's just having a hard time with this decision. Like, everything about it was just eating him up. Finally, his wife says, we got to get out of the country. we got to get out of here. Like, we need to do something different. So they decide to get away to Cabo for a quick weekend. He lands in Cabo, and he texts his friend Andrew Whitworth, who just happens to be the um, offensive tackle for the Rams. And he says, hey, I'm here. Whitworth texts his head coach, Sean McVay, who just happens to be in Cabo also. And within an hour, they're at a pool with cocktails. And the next thing you know, Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford are off to the side talking football while, you know, everybody else is kind of mingling. And it was really interesting because Sean McVay got down there. He's obviously not in a great place. They're thinking about moving on from Jared Goff. Right. And he's down there with his fiancée after a long season. They had just lost to the Packers in the playoffs. And Sean McVay texts the Rams brass, and he says, you're not going to effing believe this. Matthew Stafford is here. They meet at the pool. They bond. The next day, Sean McVay is in his room on vacation watching cut-ups of Matthew Stafford on his phone and on his iPad, testing the patience of his fiancée, Veronica, or one could argue investing in their mutual future happiness. <laughs> and, well done, Seth Wickerson. And a day later, Matthew Stafford is a Ram. So, okay. Based on, on all of what you just said, he has this moment with his wife where he's just like, okay, we were talking about it. I'm going to do it. Yep. The it being going to the Lions to say, I, I want out. He does it in a tear-filled, emotional uh, meeting that was that with, with Sheila mm-hmm. Ford Hamp, team president, it? yeah, okay. ownership, yeah. Okay, so and so um, he he does that. They start the process, I guess, right away. During which time he and his wife say, "We're getting out of the country." The Rams left tackle and coach just happens to be there, mm-hmm. and then a trade happens while he's there. That mm-hmm. happened. That happened in the yeah. uh, in, on planet Earth. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> I was saying, you know, like Drew Brees was in Cabo at the same time. Right. Kyle no, Shanahan uh, was in Cabo and, at the same and, time. And that, too, and that too, Seth, because so many people, Seth Wickersham here on the Rich Eisen Show from ESPN, found a phenomenal article and um, a chat with, with Matthew Stafford that we're chopping up right now. So that's the thing that I, I, I point out to everybody if they need it, because the, the, the doubters about Stafford – is just oh, he, that the guy from the Lions who made a ton of money and amassed all these yards and didn't amount to anything, that the, the number of people who are so upset in the NFL that the Rams got Stafford before them includes Kyle Shanahan of the Niners. 
he absolutely that was part of this offseason that a lot of folks glossed over because obviously they have Trey Lance now and that whole Lance Garoppolo thing is still playing out as you and I are talking. That that was seemingly a plan A as opposed to trading draft choices to go up and get a third overall selection. Yeah, I mean, from the For moment the, the season ended, the 49ers were in the quarterback derby. And I think that, um, I don't think that it's exactly related, but I do think that Matthew Stafford is one of the, re- going to the Rams is one of the reasons that the 49ers decided to trade up to draft Trey Lance. And, you know, I, I was saying, you know, usually, as you know, you get great league gossip, you know, at the bars at the combine oh, yes. or at the bar at the owners' meetings. And I'm going to seriously lobby my boss to just send me to Cabo after the season ends. <laughs> and I'm just going to, I'm just going to post up by the pool and let <laughs> things happen because that's clearly the epicenter of power in the NFL that nobody else is at. <laughs> yes, indeed. Some people just go there to get hammered. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, you're going to go there for work because clearly you can get some work done there. Seth Wickersham here uh, on the Rich Eisen Show. So, you know, the two words I thought would be factored into part of the process of doing all this that I guess wasn't because the decision you said that Stafford and his wife made was right after the regular season was watching Tom Brady ascend to the throne in another spot. That Brady's, you know, decision to say, there's some way, other way for me to be happy and do something after 20 years of something, even though it's incredibly successful, six Super Bowls in the 20 years of doing something. He decides to do something else, and that inspires so many others like Rodgers and, and Russell Wilson to have thoughts of wanderlust. That had nothing to do with Stafford's decision-making, Brady. You know, I don't. I think that it couldn't help but do it. But you know, Brady had way more control over his situation than Stafford did. I mean, Stafford didn't even have a no trade clause. He was kind of at the mercy of the Lions. And you know, the Panthers were heavily interested in Stafford. He didn't want to go there, and the Lions kind of did him a solid by dealing him to L.A. Um, you know, Brady was a free agent. Obviously, that's you know, it's a different situation. But you know, his name came up when I was with Matthew because. You you played it a little bit in your interview with him earlier. You know, he picking up this new playbook is hard because, as he told me, you know, you not only have to learn something new, you have to forget something else. And he thought it was really interesting that Tom Brady came out and said, you know, midway through last season, I was still struggling to call plays in Bruce Arians' offense because. Um, you know, he'd been in one system his entire life, and where Stafford's been in a couple, it's still hard to learn that new playbook and get it down cold, especially when people are looking at you for answers. People, as he said in your interview, have been in that system for years, and I got to watch that a little bit, and I thought that was really fascinating. Like, I, I was with him in Cooper Cup, and they were talking about various signals that Stafford had given for route combinations at practice that day, and you know, Stafford was kind of fact-checking his process with Cup, and that was really interesting. Like, I had never seen a quarterback do that with a receiver before. And in terms of Brady, let's uh, transition to the next reason why you're probably going to be on a show like this one, uh, other than my <laughs> inviting you beforehand, if you wish. I love it. It's better to be feared by Seth Wickersham, the New England Patriots dynasty and the pursuit of greatness what are we going to learn? Can you drop a nugget? I know that you want to probably save everything for when the book drops, as the kids say, on October 12th. But what are we going to learn? What, what can you tell us? What do you-, you know, I, 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 I won't get into details yet, but like, I do think that like, you know, one of the interesting things is that, um, you know, I, I, the, I, I've sort of 
have known Tom Brady and Bill Belichick for my entire career. And for a lot of that career, I had, you know, I was in Tom Brady's apartment. I was at his private Super Bowl parties. I was getting, you know, getting on the phone with Belichick to talk about things late at night, you know, after he had finished his work day. And it was an interesting journalism lesson to never throw away a notebook because I was able to tap into a lot of that stuff from, you know, the early part of the dynasty and combine it with, you know, reporting based on those teams, based on the subsequent 10 years when they didn't win the championship, when they, you know, were just close and were kind of plateaued at that highest plateau. And then the second half of it where they won three more, and then it finally kind of disintegrated. And, um, you know, I do my very best to bring you, you know, inside those guys' personalities, inside how decisions were made, what it was like to work in that building, and, you know, how their greatness was achieved and, and what some of the costs of that greatness were. Why did it have to end? Well, I think Tom wanted out, and I think that Coach Belichick had determined that I think that he was okay with Tom moving on. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, look, if, if the Patriots had signed Tom Brady to a five-year contract like he wanted after they beat the Falcons, after they had had five Super Bowls, so much of the subsequent drama might have been averted. But instead, you know, you had Belichick who wanted to hang on to Garoppolo and see how that played out. And you had Brady who wanted a commitment until he was age 45. And the Patriots were just never really willing to give him that commitment. And I think that these are all incredibly obsessive, competitive people. And, you know, by the end, I think they had all just had enough of each other. Do we, do you get into the Garoppolo stuff in your book? You got that? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so, um, because, you know, the word is that Tom's like, get him out of here. And Bill didn't really want to and had to. And that's how... Jimmy G winds up as a, a niner for just a second round pick. Uh, and, you know, I, is and, and, re, is it was interesting because, I mean, Jimmy G, you know, was on the Patriots radar only a couple months ago, right before the draft also. And, right. Um, you know, I think Bill Belichick has always wanted to leave the Patriots whenever he walks away. He's always wanted to leave them, leave the team in a good place. You know, you had Bill Walsh, who he walked away from the 49ers when they won a Super Bowl. And, you know, George Seifer took it over. And I think that Walsh, you know, secretly kind of wanted the team to fail without him. And instead they go, whatever, 14-2 and two and blow out the Broncos in the Super Bowl, one of the greatest teams ever with this rookie head coach. And I think that Bill Belichick has always had way more pride than to, you know, walk away and have the thing collapse when he does leave. And I think that a huge piece of that was – having the team set up long-term at quarterback. And, you know, for a while, he was deeply invested in Garoppolo. So um, before I let you go, Seth Wickersham, um, knowing Belichick and covering him as, as you have, the fact that he's got a quarterback decision to make in a training camp with a first-round drafted guy, this is potentially kind of new for him. Knowing him and knowing the history of him and what he's been and done, can any of that inform you as to what decision you might make over the next two weeks as to who's his starter for the 2021 season? Look, okay. I think they wanted to be really patient with Mac Jones. Um, but this latest episode with Cam and being out most of this week, you know, I, I have no insight into how that's going to affect things. It'll be interesting if it does. Um, you know, the, the team not only wants to be patient with Mac Jones, but they've clearly been very patient with Cam Newton. And it'll be interesting to see if they – lean on Cam 
and hope that he can perform well to get them through that game against Tampa. You know, again, I have, I have no insight on this, but can sure. you imagine starting a rookie quarterback against Tom Brady with all of that hype swirling around that game? If Yeah, but if, if anybody could handle it, it's a guy who's played for Nick Saban for Alabama. I mean, I, I understand Brady coming back to New England is uh, a unicorn of a, of a scheduled game on a Sunday night with a whole country coming up to see, but why not? I mean, why not start the kid wearing Brady's um Brady's college number and TB12 coming back in and wouldn't this be the way I mean honestly if Bill's going to start the guy who's going to best chance to win just like he starts Jonas Gray one week and then doesn't mm-hmm. forevermore right because he he's going to go with whoever might match up best on most positions but don't you think deep down heart of hearts having the kid be the one to beat Brady as opposed to Cam I mean wouldn't that be just well, the way it, to go? It, yeah, I mean, I think you you, you were you hit it right on there. Um, you know, if it gives him the best chance to win, and um, you know, we'll just see how it happens. Like I said, I mean, I think they wanted to be patient with Mac Jones, and you know, we'll see whether the the events of, of the past week end up impacting that and how it's impacted as the season begins. Well, we all know Seth that um, the guy who wears Mo Lewis's number right now, C.J. Mosley, in a Week Two game, Jets versus the Patriots. He'll knock uh, Cam out, and then the Mac Jones <laughs> dynasty will begin. That's what's going to happen in week two, just like uh, 2001. Same thing. Oh, the poor guy almost died, man. No, I understand that. But he's okay now, so, you know, tragic. Okay that's, that's that old uh, crimes and misdemeanors line that comedy is tragedy <laughs> plus time, Seth. So it's been long enough. It's 20 years. My gosh. Uh, thanks for the time. Uh, look for my number, certainly, uh, as your book's coming out. I can't wait to read it. Look forward to it. I will. Thank you so much, man. Bet. Everybody should read the Matthew Stafford article written by this man, and It's Better to Be Feared, which is available for purchase right now. The New England Patriots dynasty, Seth Wickersham, here on the program. I'm telling you, Stafford's ready to roll. He is. You, he's ready to roll. He's in Los Angeles. He's making gajillions. With fans. He and his wife are going to the Whole Foods or whatever they're doing. You know, <laughs> He and a family are watching the... Pacific Ocean, ebb and flow, and the sun setting, and SoFi's brand amazing, and, you know, it's all set up. I can't wait for that Sunday. What a story. I have not heard that he's like, you know, doing, just like everybody else, unloading the dishwasher at home, (laughs) going through his mind about how best to... Go through his decision that he's definitely going to do to get out of the Detroit Lions organization despite everything that's been put into it. And man, oh man, he is going to just, he's going to kill it here. He's going to crush it. He's going to kill it. And I don't, I am, I'm at me. I'm here for all your, I'm serious. I'm here for all the who the hell Stafford. Hey, what's he done? I'm here. I'm I'm here for it all. Let's take a break. We'll come back because we want to be on time for our next guest. Who's our buddy Brockman calling him from Tampa? Oh, hey. <laughs> and then we'll, we'll 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 hit a little bit more Stafford with yes, a guy sir. who's going to be selling all of his season tickets because you know it's Brockman. <laughs> <laughs> Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about. 
how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Not once have I been able to live out my long dream. As a young top growing up in Staten Island, New York, I've always dreamt to do a show like this one wearing a mustache with one of my colleagues in full clown makeup and a black wig and a red clown nose, Chris Brockman, wearing that on this show, having March sadness. Rich, I'm so sad. And you will be out on the DirecTV thoroughfare dressed like that with a Rich Eisen Show sandwich board that reads, I have March Sadness. This is the most public yet of my many humiliations. (laughs) (laughs) I have March Sadness. Can you come give me a hug? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Feel better. Thank you. It'll be okay. Okay. (laughs) Congratulations to you for getting more out of the clown makeup this year than last year. (laughs) At at this point, last year, hour three, you had already removed it, uh, crying like a baby about how your skin had hurt. You hit me in my leg. That's pretty see what it was. You kind of look like Zach Galifianakis <laughs> in Baskets right now. Oh, yeah, that's a good you know, one. On FX, that's a good one. You kind of look like that angry, sort of disheveled clown right now. This is not a good look for me. I disagree. For a third consecutive year, has finished dead last in the Rich Eisen Show bracket competition, thus having to wear clown makeup for all three hours. None other then Chris Brockman from Modern Family, our friend uh, Eric Stone Street. How are you, Eric? Well, I'm not doing very well, Rich. Oh, no. <laughs> take that wig off right now. Okay, I'm take... watching you. <laughs> Remove the wig, Brockman. <laughs> Come back. I have marks. No, I'm just going to oh, follow geez. you now. the wave. I don't know where you're going. Now this is creepy. Now, now this is creepy. Come on, I have Mark sadness. Just give me a hug, my man. You get it. Oh, yeah. You get it. Chris Long! I have oh, Mark yes. sadness! Yes. I need a hug! Yes! It's a tradition unlike any other for a fourth straight year. And as per the specs of Eric Stone Street, you are uh, dressed as an Auguste clown. You're like the Buffalo Bills of this contest. Can I get a hug for March go Sadness? Anybody? No? Oh, boy, the sandwich board's oh, no, flying all over. What a well. mess. Come on, millennials. Come on, millennials. There you go. Come on, big finish. Finish up strong. Yeah. Yeah. Nicely done. And it's love. I love how this that that construct lasted so long that it got the attention of Eric Stone Street, then the anger of Eric Stone Street, (laughs) who, as you know, is a a a man who takes clowning very very seriously. Yeah, joke. Till Eric just basically says, "Screw it." Here's the specs about how to make him up. (laughs) I love that. And then Gardell was involved. You heard him on the set. He was here. <laughs> Back here on the Rich Eisen Show on our radio affiliates, 844-204-RICH, number to dial here on this Friday. Very, very busy Friday here. We're back here on our terrestrial radio uh, network, along with Peacock, along with Odyssey, along with Sirius XM. And joining us here right now, uh, after that terrific conversation mm-hmm. with Seth Wickersham, yes. uh, where we went very highbrow, we went very deep, we went very uh, uh, journalistically sound conversation. <laughs> uh, let's go the exact opposite. Joining us now from whereabouts in Tampa, Florida, in day two of his uh, draft weekend with his buddies, his college buddies for his fantasy draft, is Chris Brockman. How are you, Christopher? You there? 
Gentlemen, uh, with friends like you, who needs enemies? Yes, sir. Thank you for welcoming me with the uh, <laughs> clown makeup montage. Yes, sir. Uh, remember, remember hugs? Those things were amazing. Those were great. <laughs> uh, always a pleasure to be joining you guys remotely, poolside in beautiful Tampa, Florida. Okay, so <laughs> so are you zipped up in your Airbnb with your COVID protocols all set up with your all your boys? Is that what's going on right now? Yeah, that's what's going on. That's what's going on right now. We okay. made one a grocery store trip, fully masked. Very good. Uh, good. Surprisingly, everyone in the grocery store was fully masked. Hey. So shout out to the responsible members of Florida. <laughs> and uh, we are ready to rock. We got Keeper's announcement tonight. I am on the smoker. Ribs about to go on here okay. shortly. Okay. Uh, I'm making a smoked queso dip as well as corn on the cob, which I know you can appreciate, Rich. And then tomorrow, the show begins at noon Eastern. And then uh, that's the draft part about it, right? And so what is, at what point do you think the draft, which once again is famous because there is no time limit on drafting players, like what time do you think the draft that starts at noon Eastern in Tampa will end? What do you think? Well, here's the deal. There's We are a 14-team league. Oh, Only nine of us are in attendance. So five We're smart. are going <laughs> remotely. <laughs> yes. Okay. Remotely via Zoom or texting in their picks. Texting in like picks. This might set the record for length. I, I got to oh. think this ends around 7.30. At night? At night, yeah. That's not that bad. Yeah, I, thought, I was about to hear, I thought it was yeah. about to hear midnight yeah. or something like that. Wait, do you mean oh, no. I, Saturday I, I night or Sunday night, Chris? Yeah, I was about to say Sunday what, morning. Sunday night, like what 7.30 what? are you talking about? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Great point. Love where your head's at. Thank I got to think it's in the 7.30 to 8 p.m. Saturday night. I, I think we might have an eight-hour draft. So so are you saying, okay. by the way, it's terrible. The the actual NFL draft, first two <laughs> rounds. First two terrible. rounds used to take less than that. Six hours it's for that, that, I think. Bad. Because there's a time limit on on teams like say the New Orleans Saints, they don't give them all day. So are you saying to me because there's no time limits that it's entirely possible somebody's makes a pick physically there at your Airbnb, and then the next person on the clock is not present, is elsewhere and not on a Zoom, and everybody's waiting for a text to come in for like 20 minutes like that's feasible that could actually happen i would tomorrow. say that is uh, very likely oh. multiple times tomorrow <laughs> how much do you miss your boy right now how much do you miss cage well i gotta tell you i've had several facetime sesh okay they're at the zoo sarah took him to the zoo right now okay um he was having a quite the meltdown yesterday but i was able to talk him bedtime okay wake okay. up this morning father of the year so I, I do miss him, but the, it's really, like I said, you are, you're dead on as both things you are, Rich. Tomorrow around 4 p.m., it's going to really kick You're going to be like, what am I doing here? What am I it's doing gonna really here? It's going to really kick in. All right. Yeah. Well, I saw one of your, uh, your colleagues of your league uh, tweeted at me, very upset, very angry. <laughs> yes. of, well, look. He actually wanted for, me to give the phone to him during this phone call. Well, uh, it's, as you know, there's a hard out. Um, so hard asses are not allowed on the phone when there's a hard out. Um, but, um, you know, I, look, I understand that somebody would get upset when I refer to them on a nationally televised and syndicated radio and television show as a, an ass hat. 
I understand that that might rub someone the wrong way. But uh, I, 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 I honestly, I say all this with love. It only comes from a place of, uh, of love. And just like you having a problem with me keeping the natural alive for as long as I've had, uh, where yeah. you, get, you get angry, this makes me angry, irrationally <laughs> angry. I don't know why it makes me so angry. It's you what doing do you it, not me. First, Rich, what do you think happens first? Uh, Matt Ryan officially adopts the natural as a nickname, well, or happen. my league actually adopts time limit. My, well, it'll have, your your league. Will, it, how about neither? Neither will ever happen. How does that sound? How does the time that sound? limit has to it'll happen. It'll never first. happen. It'll never happen. But I just I can't imagine like, hey, so and so is on the clock. Have we gotten a text from him yet? You know, like you don't even know if he's paying attention. Yeah, what's, uh, what's he at? Oh my gosh! So who are your keepers, real quick? Who are you keeping? Uh, I'm keeping I'm keeping DeAndre Hopkins okay. and Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson. Well, does that mean you now lose your draft choice in the round in which you had kept taking them from? Is that what that no, means? No, no, no. So the way we do it, uh, keepers are everybody's first and second picks, and then we rock and roll from thereafter. Oh, so it doesn't because, so okay. So so does that mean if somebody doesn't keep so so it doesn't penalize you to keep somebody? It doesn't penalize you. No, you're just keepers or your keepers. This league gets worse and worse. It gets worse. <laughs> it gets worse. <laughs> Tell everybody I think their league sucks. All right? You, you know I Say will. hi to their mothers for me. Say hi to your right? mother for me. <laughs> Take All care. Right, guys. Be Miss safe, you, Chris. Enjoy. Chris. Enjoy. <laughs> What's the point of having keepers if you don't lose the draft choice in the round in which you drafted them to keep them? That's what I thought. Right? Like if you draft somebody in the in the fourth round, you should you should right. If you keep them, you if you should drafted someone in the second round, keeping them means you lose, you lose your, your second, second round, round pick, pick yeah. and everybody else gets to choose in the second round because they kept somebody later. Am I wrong? Tell me I'm wrong. I mean, fourteen teams, fourteen teams. You are picking at the carcass of somebody's fiftieth man on a roster. Yeah, that's, in week four, that's a lot. Please, I had to I had to cut mine down to t- ten. Four, four more teams? There it is. He's getting older <laughs> during his son. <laughs> He's going to be a bag of bones by next by the, uh, next hour. Coming up in a second is Dan Wetzley Yahoo. Oh, my gosh. Scott, hop, hop on that microphone. Go on. Scott, hop yeah. on that microphone right there. Real quick. My, my brother-in-law, yes. Scott Schuster, is here. Hop on, which might be a dangerous thing to give him a live microphone right now. <laughs> Sit down, Scotty. His boys were in that in that seat just uh, yesterday. Yes, they were. You have a keeper league, correct? Is his microphone on? Yeah, he's on. Okay, you have a keeper league, right? Sure. Okay, and so wh- we were talking about this just yesterday, right? Yeah. Like, there's a benefit to keeping somebody that you drafted in the 13th round of your draft because who cares if you don't draft someone? Yeah, the then 13th. you move up two spots to the 11th round, so, and then you lose your 11th round pick or something like that. How? That's the way to do it. Yeah. How about? Did you hear that? That's their first and second round picks. Then. It's kind of like saying that that's not really a first round game. It's a play. Call it a play in play. <laughs> right? He's in Tampa. I mean, what do you expect? I mean, that's the least of his worries. The draft pick. <laughs> <laughs> hey, See, look. I told him putting him on a live microphone was going to be hey, an Scott, issue. Hey, Scott, before you go, more, more importantly than Brockman's draft, could you relay to the people of America and the world what you said to me as we first met? Because I feel like that's the most important thing that you said. Oh, you mean about how, how good you are on the show, or was there something else I said? What was that and what I brought to the show you said? 
Oh, I said you bring some much-needed swag, especially oh. with these three other guys. Well, so I, I will thank you, Scott Schuster. First I will, of all, I will you know that. how I feel about you, right? I think you like me. But yeah. there's one person. It's it's two different types of swag. You bring swag. Mm-hmm. I wear. He's swag. wearing it. Yeah. <laughs> I wear True that. literally every day. Yeah. <laughs> Literally every day. And He's Michael Holly says, I, "What up, Scott? I just texted yeah, so him and said I just met you." You're, you're, yeah, that's right. He mentions you quite a bit on this program. Yeah, yeah. almost every time he calls in, he mentions you. He's a really bright guy. He's a smart guy. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Very talented. So, who are your keepers going to be in your league again? Have you decided that? I'm bring Stefan Diggs back for my championship uh, defense, right? As well as uh, either Brandon Ayuk or uh, Nick Chubb. Now, the, the idea with Chubb, the difference between Chubb and Ayuk is you drafted which one in which round. Well, Ayuk was a, would be an 11th-round pick this year, and Chubb would be a 4th-round pick this year. I mean, year. keeping Ayuk as an 11th-round pick it's has nice. got to be very enticing. It and is, you're, you're a defending champ, Scott? Is that what I just heard? Sure. Oh, okay. Champion in the house. I like that. Dude, look at you. <laughs> oh, you got to just, just say that you bring much-needed swag to the show, and then all of a sudden. That's my man. Right. Hey, we're both big Tony Romo fans. There you <laughs> go. All there right. Go. Well, hour three's coming up. My, as you can see, we've got family in the house. Mm-hmm. Got family all over the place. Yeah, for the, we're family here. The big bar mitzvah Ooh. coming up this weekend. Dan Wetzel's not invited, but he's on the show next. <laughs>